eat. The topic was sharing with us five things. That the, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Five things that the cross did for us. And how far did he go? Two. Okay, what was number one? Some inconsistencies now. The power... The power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in... Those that, sorry? Those that believe... Sorry, what did you put in your notes? You know, those who believe. Okay. Does anyone else have something else in their notes? Those who believe in me. Okay, I'll, let me check what I wrote in my notes. And it's nice to have notes. I always say there's something that never forgets. A piece of paper, when you've written on it, never forgets. You know, at times, what I wrote in my notes, the power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in those that believe in Jesus. That's what I wrote in my notes. That's what you wrote as well. Okay, but it's all right. It doesn't matter. We paraphrase it in the way that makes the most meaning to us. It's what we identify with. The power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in those that believe in Jesus. And the text, the key text for that was in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 8. Verse 19, 18, 19, 18, 19. Okay, 19 was a key one. Let's turn our Bibles this morning to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. We want to put it in context this morning. Because there was something I wrote in my note last week that I believe the Lord would have me share with us this morning based on that very first scripture. I just wrote a note for myself last week and I'll bring it to life now this morning. It says, I pray also, this is from verse 1 of Ephesians. It's important we read it and we follow this context of it. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Let's read on. And his incomparably great power for those or for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand, in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Now, let's do a bit of backpedaling very quickly. Because it's easy for us at times to find all sorts of doctrine from Scripture. I've once heard someone say that you can find a suicide doctrine from, from, from the Word of God. Was, you're looking at me. How can you find suicide doctrine from the Word of God? Yeah, just mix the Word of God whichever way you want to. And then, you, you know, someone might just read, uh, Judas went out and hung himself. And then jump to another portion of Scripture that says, what you must do, do quickly. If you combine the two you have a suicide doctrine based on Scripture. But that is misappropriation of the Word of God. At times we wonder why certain things are not happening. It's simply because we could sometimes deliberately or inadvertently misappropriate the Word of God. 
and it doesn't matter because it simply would not work. If you misappropriate the word of God, you'll just get led down the wrong path. And you'd wonder why things are not working. I can assure you today that if I gave you the keys of my car and you went to your car to try and start it, it simply won't start. You could fast, you could pray, you could do whatever you want. It's just a basic principle. It won't, I could give you the front door of my keys. If you take it to your house, it would not open the door. Why? Because your front door key has been coded to your key. Now the word of God is like that. It needs to be done and put in context. But the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It is what you put in there that comes out. Now let's put this in context. The man of God shared with us last week. Very, very important. It makes a difference. That was the power that changed and transformed Mick Peter, the weed, to the rock. It made the same Peter that denied Christ to be the one that said, silver and gold we do not have, that which we have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. What transformed, what was that transformation? What created that transformation? That's the power of the resurrection. The Bible says that power lives in you and I. Okay, let me redefine that. Those who believe in Jesus. Do you believe in Jesus? And so, do we then start to wonder why some of the things that Scripture talks about does not necessarily happen in our lives? I've got one, one of the reasons I have for it is probably because we are generally, we're crowded and bombarded by so many things that distract us that if everything we say, you know the Bible says you will have whatever you say. If everything we say, if we have it, some of us would have ruined our lives. Because we have not learned to control the tongue. And the tongue is filled with what comes out of the abundance of the heart. We still spend too much time in front of the TV. Watching football. Okay. Watching home and away. Does, do they still do those things? Watching neighbors. We can recite every single item of news yesterday, but we probably, without checking our notes this morning, would not have remembered the scripture, the key scriptures for last week. Ah. Then we wonder why we do not have the things that we say. If the power lives in us, we need to live like people that the power live in. Okay, it's not time for rebuke this morning. We want to move from one point to the other. Because I can see people kind of laughing. Oh, uh-uh. Don't get yourself into a valley of condemnation. Okay. Someone says, oh yes, I promised myself I'll read the scripture since last week. Oh yeah, but don't feel down. Now that you know, reconsider, just redefine. You can't do anything about the past. You know that, don't you? The past is gone. You can only do something about the future. Okay, let's carry on now. Let's look at this scripture in context. Let's go back to chapter 1, verse 1 of Ephesians, of the book of Ephesians. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God to the saints in Ephesus. You can say to the saints in Christ's way tabernacle this morning. Yeah. The faithful in Christ Jesus, verse 2. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3. 
Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption. Through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of, his, of, of God's grace. That he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to the, his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ. To be put into effect when the times would have reached their fulfillment. To bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him... We were also chosen, having been predestined according to the, par- the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who, are wor- who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you and remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power like the working of his mighty strength. For this reason. For the reason that you and I have believed. Paul, Apostle Paul started to talk about not just the church in Ephesus. But started to talk about those who believe in Christ. The note I made for myself last week. When Apostle shared this scripture. I put a very, very small note in my notebook, which happens to be on this iPad. And I said, a matchstick can set a house ablaze under the right condition. Okay. Now, what does that mean? A matchstick can set a house ablaze under the right condition. What's the link? That's the note I made for myself. I said, what is the link? Now, the link is simply this. The Bible says that the incomparably great power that raised Jesus, that power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. A matchstick on its own 
has the potency, but it needs the right condition to do whatever it is meant to do. I could put a box of matches on there. It does nothing. But you need the conditions to be right and it could set a whole house ablaze. One matchstick. That power is in that matchstick to do that. But the conditions need to be right for that power to be made manifest. So you and I within us is deposited that power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. The conditions need to be right for us to begin to exhibit. And that is our responsibility. We need to get ourselves into the situation where the power in us will be made manifest. There are situations and circumstances that happen in life that the power, you need to dig deep to say what is it that is within me because it's what's in you that comes out. You know it easily when people are under stress. It's what comes out. It's out of the abundance of the heart. Simple. I always say this as a classic example. Parents driving and someone cuts you up on the way, bang, what comes out of the lips? And the children are listening. That's the real you that they've heard. Some people start to curse. All sort of manner of languages that you think, hold on. But why? It's because it's out of the abundance of the heart. And the mouth speaks. You can only draw out. You know, Apostle always says that when you have an attack in your dream, it is what's in you that comes out. Okay. That's why I always find it very interesting. Students that go to school, I'm a student as well, you know. If you don't study, I can assure you, if the question comes, there's nothing to dig out. So you can pray, Holy Spirit, remind me, you needed to have read it. Yes, you needed to have read that subject. Otherwise, just drop your pen and prepare yourself for. It's true. You know, there's a difference between I need understanding and I don't, I've not read the topic. If you've not read it, just forget it. It's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. Now, let's look at a couple of examples. One of the examples I like using is that of David. In the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 15. The situation, the background was that the man called Goliath. There was a man called Goliath. Who had decided... Is it 15? It's 17, isn't it? 17. Am I right? 17. Yes? Okay. Yeah, 17. So the Bible says that the Philistines, there was a time when there was a Philistines, they gathered and they came against the children of Israel. And day and night there was this man called Goliath that came out and said on a daily basis, morning, Bring me a man out of your forces. If he defeats me, I, we will become your servants. If I defeat him, you, Israel, you will become our servants. And the Bible records that he did this for how many days? Forty days? Okay, let, let's, let's get ourselves all on the same page. First Samuel chapter 17. A champion named Goliath who was from Gath 
came out from the Philistine camp, he was over nine feet tall. Now, put this, put this in context. Considering the fact that I'm a six-footer, yeah? Uh, I'm telling you, if you look, I, I am six-foot, okay? And the person that we're talking about was one and a half times my height. Yeah, that's the, he said he was over that. So you can imagine his head must have been... Put it, paint the picture of the sort of person they were seeing. And he was, he was, I'm sure he was probably two or three times, you know, I am, I'm very slim, you know, very trim. He must have been at least, in fact, so much so that, you know, he had to, he had to get someone to carry his, his armor. Now, picture it. At times we read through the word of God, we don't paint pictures. I, I like painting pictures. Because when I paint pictures, it helps. What does it say? It says, chapter 16. Sorry. Oh, for 40 days. That's the one he did for 40 days. Chapter 16 was 40 days. He kept on talking to them about. So a champion who came from Gath, he was over nine feet tall. Let's carry on now. He says he, he had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. Now, I don't know how to convert that in these days of, uh, in terms of skills. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves and, and the bronze javelin was slung on his back. Carry on, his spear shaft was like whatever his shield bearer went ahead of him now I'm painting a picture he stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel why do you come out and line up for battle am I not a Philistine and are you not the servants of Saul choose a man and have him come down to me now the Bible goes on to tell us that there was this young boy called David and he came and he heard this Philistine who kept on repeating the same thing. He said, hold on. What shall be done to the man who decides to tackle this, this uncircumcised? Now, it, it, it was not by chance that David used the word uncircumcised. And I'll explain. At times we read words in Scripture and we wonder, why did David say Goliath is an uncircumcised Philistine? He didn't just say he's a Philistine. He said he's an uncircumcised Philistine. Because David understood the covenant that the children of Israel had with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Almighty, the El Shaddai. The covenant they had was that of circumcision. And anyone who had the covenant of circumcision was protected by the Almighty. We need to understand who we are in Christ Jesus. Because it's by understanding our position that we can understand what is ours and what we can accept and choose not to accept. Because more often than not, we are responsible for the results that we get. Enough of blaming the other person. We have a very nice blame culture in life. It's always somebody else. 
you're late for a meeting, the first thing you find out, oh, the trains were late. You were late. Simple. Full stop. How about the trains? Uh Uh-uh. The trains might have been a contributory factor, but I can assure you that you probably played it to the last possible minute. Well, I do. I tend to, in fact, I like, uh, there was a time that our offices were, that we had, we, had a, we had offices around Eastern Road. And I used to love the challenge of booking a train going out of London, Houston, maybe going to Birmingham or somewhere. I loved the challenge of leaving it till five minutes before the train. Honestly, I took delight in it. I just, I, I like the adrenaline. I just like the fact that I'm jumping out of the office and I'm telling my secretary, I'm saying, my train is in five minutes. I'll call you when I get on that train. Nine times out of ten, I catch the train. There's the odd one, I miss it. And at that point, I don't simply blame anyone. I simply say, I got it wrong now. Now, bearing in mind that Virgin Trains close their doors about at least 30 seconds before the train starts. My, oh my, have I done some running. The worst bit is when you're booked on a specific train. And you know that if you miss it, you forfeited that ticket. God help. Hey. But when that happens, I blame no one. And guess what? I don't even try to blame myself. I just take it. You win some, you lose some. But those are times with things that don't have a consequence. Unfortunately, in some cases, we carry... Now, someone says, you could turn it in a different way. Someone says, yeah, I, I, I said to you just now, I love the adrenaline. I just, it, it might be a risk-taking sort of like attitude. Yeah, that's fine. But I must have a bit of belief in my ability to do the running as well. If I weigh three times what I weigh, there's no way I'm going to get there. Yeah, it's true. And at times I used to use it as a test of my fitness. If I miss it, I'll say, oh, I need to do some more jogging. Okay. We're going back to the fact that more often than not, we look for an outside reason for why we are not achieving what we are achieving. A student fails, so the teacher didn't teach me properly. I'm yet to find the teacher who takes delight in their students failing maybe there's some sadists out there but I don't see the joy that gives any lecturer for all his students or her students to fail actually it's bad on the lecturer's record more often than not 99% of lecturers are looking for ways to help you pass. You might not think so. I mean, when you're on the receiving end, you kind of think, these teachers must be very... I mean, but honestly, they'll be looking for a reason why. That's why if you've spelt the word without an E, the idea is what we need. You know, they'll, they'll tick it. In fact, that's why in mathematics I love things like mathematics because actually at times lecturers don't look for the final answers. Is the methodology right? 
Because at times you've got what you call spurious errors. You might just interpolate. Interpo, uh, inter, what's the word? Interpolate. Is that the word? Yeah, you see, this grammar. Um, it's this Dick in Gucci that always uses big, big grammar. I always say when people start to use a big grammar, they want to lose you somewhere. I've got a solution. Just get hold of your dictionary. All the time someone uses something big, just check the dictionary and find out what it means. But you could, because you could easily miss the decimal point. You might be looking at the calculator and you might mistakenly miss it. So you carry on. So ultimately, the lecturer will say he understands the concept. And the results might be one million whatever out. Don't worry. We'll deal with that. That's a smaller issue to address because they understand the concept. So more often than not, I've got this assurance for you students. If you're a student, know this. Your lecturer is looking for a way to help you pass. People are still looking at me like, no, I don't feel like that. I can see the feedback. Are you sure? Yes. Honestly. I'm not a teacher, by the way, but I know it. You've got God on your side. You've got the whole of host of heaven on your side. Routing for you. For you to make it. Every encounter that we have, we've got the armies of heaven on our side. Reminding you that the power that lives in you is that power that raised Jesus Christ from the, from the dead. But we need to put ourselves in the right condition, in the right situation. And what do we need to do? David did that because he recognized who he was and who he is in the Lord Almighty. He didn't even have the privilege that we have today. He didn't have the Holy Spirit living in him. But he recognized that he was a child of covenant. So he called the Philistine uncircumcised. So immediately he made a distinction. And then the next thing he did was he said to this Philistine, who's this man that is defiling the armies of the living God? Remember all through, Goliath kept saying, you are soldiers of Saul. Our key scripture this morning is from the book of Ephesians. I keep coming back to that. Don't lose sight of where we are. And what's the link with David? You've got to keep your eyes on the cross. Keep your eyes looking onto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame. Because if our eye is on Christ Jesus, you remember what the man of God said in that scripture at the beginning. Paul said, for this reason, for the reason that you and I have been reconciled in Christ Jesus to the Father, to the Lord God Almighty. We who were once lost and dead in sin, God has reconciled unto himself. You are now in a position of authority. So David recognized that this man, Goliath, was defiling the armies of the living God. So he looked at Goliath. He didn't look at himself. He looked at the Lord Almighty. He said, Goliath, you're like a speck. The power that lives in you is the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the, from the, from the grave. I made that note. I said, a matchstick can burn down, can set a house ablaze under the right condition. You and I can change the world around us if we put ourselves in the right condition. You can change your present situation. 
your present circumstance if you put yourself in the right situation. David put himself in that right situation. He reconditioned his mind. Because he saw what the others were seeing, but had a different attitude. Some of us see the situations that others see, and we have the situation overcome us rather than us overcome the situation. Because the plan of the enemy at all times, the plan of the devil, is to make you focus on the impossibilities rather than focus on what is possible. If we still lived on the impossibilities, there would, be nev- there would never be enough inventions. You know, someone talks about the fact that, is it, is it Thomas Edison? I was talking about, what, what, did, what was Thomas Edison responsible for? The bulb. Yeah? The what? Cat- uh, yeah, electric bulb. Okay. Now, just in case, you know, there might be some people in here, it's part of your revision. You know, I, I like doing this, you know. And if it's not part of your revision, you thought you had forgotten about physics and all of that years and years ago, hey, good rehearsal time or re- 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 time to remember. But that did not come on the first experiment. When he carried on experimenting, I understand if I'm correct, it was when he had done it about 990 something. Someone said to him that you've got, you've got, you, you've, you don't, aren't you going to give up? He said, I now know 999 ways that it would not work. It's a numbers game. You might have heard me use this acronym SW, SW. SW. Some will, some won't. So what? Someone, somewhere's waiting. I, I use that. I mean, it's a sales thing. People who are in sales, they know this. It's a numbers game. If you do a lot of sales, you'd know you can't. You, you, the, it's the number of doors you'd knock on would increase your chances of success. Yeah. If, you, if you're in sales, know this. It's not an easy job, but the the more doors you knock on, the higher your chances of success. If you go to the likes of, who likes DIY? I I can now see why the likes of B&K are closing stores, because nobody likes DIY. I like like DIY, but whenever I go to B&K, I always notice that there's always someone at the door. They want to know if I need new windows. PVC windows. Now, what was amazing was last week I had reason to go into the same B&Q store about three times in about a cost of 30, 45 minutes. I kept on going. And I'm certain this woman must have known that I was the same person that I just gone out a few minutes ago. She was still offer me. I said, no, thank you. Went round. And I had calls to come back again because I forgot something. I went back in. Said, I said, it's a numbers game. I just remembered she, maybe I didn't hear her the first time. She didn't give up. You know, salespeople don't give up. It's persistent. You might not like those calls reminding you that you don't have any PP. PP is it PPI? You can tell them, um, uh, you can get your, in fact, you can choose to get annoyed. Hope, uh, doesn't matter. They'll call you next week. That's what you call persistence. If you and I can use that 
persistence in our walk with God, we'll put ourselves in the right condition to set the nation ablaze. Because you've got the power of God in you. You've got that power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead in us. We've, we've, got, we've got that power working in us. But we need the right conditions. We need the right attitude. We need to stop playing games. And we do. We know we do. Apostle was sharing with us last week around the fact that we're encouraging us and reminding us we need to give a side of our time to the things of God. Do we? Okay, someone says, oh, two, and a, two and a half hours each day. That's a lot. It's all right. Start with 30 minutes. Then move it to one hour at least. Then one and a half hours. Then move on. Because it, the more we do it, the more it becomes a habit. Most men don't have a problem setting aside one and a half hours for much of the day on Saturdays. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. I'm dialing some numbers now without fail. In fact, some people, the remote control, <laughs> much of the day. <laughs> it's chaos. God help anyone else handle that. They know that is daddy's time. If we could translate those sort of dedication and consistency to the things of God it would make a difference because the power that lives in us is the same power that raised Christ up from the dead but we need to ensure that we are walking in the right condition we need to put ourselves in the right place at the right time you know I said I was going to give two quick examples there was an example Have we come to the end of David? Did I finish that one about David? I have not finished the David. (laughs) Praise the Lord. I'm sure you're used to me on this one now, don't you? So we didn't finish David. We almost finished it. Okay, let's carry on. Let's finish up this because someone might feel they're hanging somewhere. Okay, now... If we carry on, says David asked, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? He understood who he was in Christ. You and I need to understand who we are in Christ. Living in us is the power that raised Jesus from the, from the grave, from the dead. That same power lives in us. And because David knew who he was, who he is in the Lord Almighty, it transformed and translated his life. The nation that year... And that season, the overcoming of Goliath was not just by mere words. It was by an understanding of who you are. So when you understand who you are, when we understand who we are in Christ Jesus, it makes a difference. David overcame Goliath because he knew in whom he had believed. He knew in whom he had believed. So whilst others were seeing themselves as servants of Saul... They were seeing themselves as, you know, ordinary. David saw himself as God saw the children of Israel. And the Bible says, he spoke to Goliath 
man to man. Someone says, I can't remember the scripture saying Goliath, David spoke man. He, he did. Because when Goliath said, You mean in the whole of Israel, you can't find a man other than this boy that I'll feed his carcass to the birds. He, he, he looked upon David with disdain. Now, you see, I always say, when you start using big, big grammar, just get your dictionary. It was like, what's this? I can imagine. Please. I mean, don't you have a man? And David answered and said, today. Because out of the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaks. David knew he had a power within him. It was not reliant on him, but on the Almighty God. And as a result, he defeated Goliath. What are the Goliaths in our lives? Who are the Goliaths in our lives? What situation is the Goliath in your life? How do you view that situation? Approach that situation with the word of God, recognizing the power of God that lives within you. You see, insurmountable, it's impossible, not with God. The Bible says with God all things are possible. The word impossibility doesn't... I, I, I always use this example. I, 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 I said, why, I, I, I say, why pray if you can worry? It's true. The Bible says, do not worry about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, make your request, let, let your request be made known unto Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. It says, and the peace of God that transcends all understanding shall keep your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And it doesn't stop on verse 7. It then goes on in verse 8 of Philippians chapter 4. It says, whatsoever things are good... Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on those things. You can't have verses 6 and 7 and start focusing on the negatives. You've got a role to play. It's a condition. The Bible says concerning you and I, do not worry about anything but in everything. With prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, we should let our request, make our request known unto the Father. He says, and the peace of God, that's an assurance. The peace of God that transcends all understanding. If you don't have peace after you have prayed, it's probably because you are not doing verse 8. In order to get the peace... The condition is whatever things are good, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. If there be any virtue, if there be, those are the things. If you start thinking and dwelling on the negativity, you're not going to get the positivity. It's not the power of positive thinking now. It's the power of applying the word of God. I'm not here in positive mental thinking and, you know, those ones. That's, this is not a gimmick. It's applying the word of God to your circumstance.
there's a simple way people use it. Say, you can't have your cake and eat it. Is it the other way around? You can't eat your cake and... All right. Do they mean the same thing? You have your cake before you eat it, and you can't eat your cake and then still have it. It's it. <laughs> Hallelujah. But it has been converted from one form, one state into another. There will always be one. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So if we're not achieving certain things, if we're not achieving the peace, it's usually because we're not dwelling on the right things. And you have a responsibility to dwell on the right things. Because in order to dwell on the right things, you need to put your mind and you need to... It's what do we hear? What do you see? What do you say? It's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. The right conditions to cause a blaze in our generation, to make a difference in our generation, is by putting ourselves in the right place, in the right standing with God. Did I say there would be two examples? Okay, let's look at a second one very, very quickly. And it's about, about relationships now. Jesus healed a woman who had been bent over. And doubled over. Which portion of scripture is that? Luke chapter 13. Okay. Evangelist. Says on the Sabbath. Jesus was teaching it in one of the synagogues. And a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignance because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. The synagogue ruler said to the people, There are six days for work. So come and be healed on those days, not on the Shabbat. The Lord answered him, You hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Shabbat untie his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan had kept bound for 18 years, long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what had bound her. Hold that verse. What was I going to draw out from that? If you read that, then should not this woman whom Satan had kept bound for 18 years long be set free from the Shabbat day, on the Shabbat day from what bound her? Is that correct? If I read it, then should not this woman, whom Satan had kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on Sabbath day from what bound her? Is that correct? No, all your will. Is that correct? Is, is it okay to read it like that? No, why not? Now, there was a qualification. Why did Jesus say a daughter of Abraham? 
because of a covenant. Don't scheme over scripture. Whilst it might be grammatically correct for me to have read it without the daughter of Abraham, by introducing the daughter of Abraham, Jesus talked about a covenant. Jesus talked about a covenant. That's why the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that the relationship we have with Christ Jesus is based on better promises. Actually, we're more privileged than this time. We're more privileged. We're more privileged. Huge privilege in our situation. We know much more because we have the Holy Spirit living in us. But we need to put ourselves and ensure that the conditions are right for us to set the world ablaze. The world is waiting on you and I. The world is waiting on us. God is waiting on us. To make that move, to make that transformation. The man of God was teaching us on five things the cross did for us. We spent some of today just rehearsing one. The book of Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19. That incomparably great power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The only way. That power can set the world ablaze by you and I putting ourselves in the right condition, the right place, the right situation. And the things that seem that easily cause us to trip, to fall, cause us to lose our peace, will begin to pale into insignificance if we keep our eyes on Jesus. If we set our minds on Jesus, if we know who we are, if we recognize who we are in Christ Jesus... For you and I have been set free. We're no longer held bound in chains. We need to be free from the value of condemnation. Don't let the enemy make you dwell on the past. When the enemy reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. Just switch it. But we need to position ourselves in that place where God can maximize and can make us who, the fullness of who he wants us to be. You're children of covenant. We have been reconciled to the Lord by the blood of Christ. What we experienced last week, or what we re, not experienced, but what we what we, would I use, is it commemorated or relieved last week was that resurrection power. Why do we celebrate Easter? year after year it's because we're reminding ourselves of what Christ did on the cross of Calvary Jesus is no longer on the cross for us who are believers he's seated at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you and I he's not limited by the cross because I always say this when you look at Jesus on the cross is the point of salvation yes Christ on the cross is the point of salvation for you and I today Christ is not on the cross Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father making intercession on our behalf because if you limit Christ to being on the cross if that's your image of Christ all the time you do not see the victory he rose from the dead and that power that raised him from the dead lives in you can I invite us to stand this morning just begin to thank God for the opportunity and the privilege that we have in Christ Jesus for we who are once lost and dead in sin God had 
to himself. We no longer live in the valley of condemnation, but we live in that power, that power that raised Christ up from the dead. Let's thank God this morning. Just thank God for the opportunity and the privilege you have this morning to experience Christ anew. Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for the power of the cross. Lord, we thank you for sending your word to us. Father, we bless your name. Let the power work for us this week. Tell the Lord, let the resurrection power work for me this week. I go forth in the strength of your word, O God. We go for in the power of the Holy Spirit that this week, Father, you will fulfill your covenant upon our lives. The Lord, by this word this week, our life shall be transformed. By this word this week, O oh God, doors shall be opened for us. Lord, we give you praise. We give you honor. We give you adoration. Lord, by this power, we command healing to every soul. By this power, we command healing to everybody. If anyone that is sick this morning, by the resurrection power, we command to go, let there be healing in the name of Jesus. Heal our soul, Father. Heal our spirit. Heal our mind. Heal our body. Heal our soul. And heal our home. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Lord, we thank you for sending your water out this morning. We go forth in the power of this word. The Lord, by this word, this morning, our life shall be transformed. Amen. By this word, this morning, door shall be open for us. Amen. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.